Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tacova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovis.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. It is another episode of Working Class on DeerCast here exclusively on video on DeerCast. Mm-hmm. Uh, Kurt Geyer speaking. We have co-host Doug Schmidt. Doug is back again. Doug, you're just like becoming a staple on Working Class on DeerCast. Yeah, you know, just another thing I'm part of. <laughs> just kidding. <laughs> and Ross, this is your Ross Bigger. Yep. This is your first appearance on Working Class on DeerCast. Yep, that's right. You're normally. You're on a lot on Working Glass Bowhunter. Yep. Um, when I can be. You've been busy. You've been a working guy. What do you do for your daily job? I'm an electrician by trade. Uh, own my own electrical business. So just. It's always a grind for you. It's, yeah. It seemed like this year just carried on and uh, all these jobs start hitting at once. So it's been pretty tied up. Right during the good times of hunting. Yeah. Yeah. Like prime time. Well, so it's funny because we, going into that, everyone that listens to normal working class bow hunter, you know, this is a new thing, this new series. So I figured that's worth talking about for people who don't know what you do. Because yep. um, there's a lot of those must be nice guys. And I'm like, man, don't say that to Ross because he works more hours than all of us combined. So yep. uh, I figured that was cool worth covering. But we actually haven't had the entire working class bow hunter crew on DeerCast yet. And mm-hmm. that's going to change. We're going to do some normal style podcast for working class on deer cast. It's hard to get all of us together all the time. Yep. Um, but the reason why Ross is here for a more of a late season podcast is because you work during October and November, almost all the way through both months. I take care of, uh, take care of a lot of grain bins and, uh, just farmers and it's dryers and all that. It's yeah, it's, it's very busy. I mean, everybody's trying to harvest and get everything out and it's, it's a lot of grain bins and dryers and everything and so, all that and along with everything else houses getting finished up and generators kinda, and all that well yeah we're pretty spread out but um yeah it's usually really busy but it slows up beginning of december now i mean it's nice out right now with yeah what 62 degrees a day so <laughs> yeah. pretty wild pretty wild for uh yeah. december but right but we'll take it i mean it sucks for hunting 
Well, it does, but but if you're it, working, it looks like it's going to chill out a little bit. So I'm I'm looking forward to some late season hunting. Do you enjoy your job, your day job? I do. I, I love it. You do like it. Yep. You have to, right? Yep. If you're putting that much time, it's easy in. to get up and put your boots on and go to work when you enjoy it. So definitely. Well, man, it works out because you are a guy in our crew. You've always been known as the guy who gets it done late season, or the guy who we can expect to at least have some good encounters late season. Yep. Um, you are. You kind of have have set yourself up yourself up good for late season hunting, but we figured we'd get you in and talk about some late December type hunting into the early days of January, which can get very brutal here in the Midwest. Oh yeah, um, and you've killed some good bucks late season. Yeah, I I enjoy uh, watching the snow fly, and honestly, these deer are slaves to their bellies. They're going to mm-hmm. be coming to the food, so but it's not always food that you can get on and and get them killed. So yeah, yeah, it's. It's a lot of uh, a lot of scouting and and as much as I don't like to get in and and find the trails that they're moving on and and it's easier to find those trails the fresh work trails when there's snow on the ground but yeah it's not always on the food yeah I, I find some in the timber mm-hmm. but it just depends yeah so, so right now we, we kind of we're talking that you know there's a ton of podcasts ton of videos on YouTube that talk about late season hunting and I know there's like a gen not a generic um, instruction form for it but there's like a there's a lot of the same answers right because a lot of the same things can apply yep. when it gets brutally cold um so you know how do you avoid not saying something that somebody else has already said it's you can't really 100 percent thing yeah. but what's cool about interviewing different people and having you on you can only talk about what you know works for you yep and if somebody else disagrees with it it's just because maybe they have a different way of doing things right um well that's what's beautiful about interviewing different people with different tactics and different skill sets and different property. Yeah. It's, yep. it's different really every time you talk to somebody else. But so, I mean, food is, you hear that a lot slaves to their stomach, they got to eat and they do. Yep. Um, and I know that's a big, big tactic. Um, it, what else? I mean, besides getting on food, we'll break that down a little bit. Sure. But um, like, are you doing morning hunts when it gets brutal cold late season? Stay out of it. I stay out of it. Just because I'd of, rather, well, I'd, I'd rather scout mornings if i'm going to do anything i'd scout mornings but yeah for the most part um when i make my move it's usually based on an evening evening setup just because you so, can get there before the deer to like a field or yeah whatever. i mean you know they're coming out whether they're coming out early depending on the temperature and moon phase and everything but uh the temperature drives them to the food uh for the most part i'm i guess i'm going on food right now but mm-hmm. uh they they get up earlier and they end up showing up uh on the food and it's i've seen them as early as 2 30 in the afternoon one o'clock in the afternoon it might be in the past i guess i've seen some uh show up at noon it just depends on when they what's going on outside uh, yeah what, whatever's going on outside the temperature and everything but they, they get up they start transitioning out to the food and they might be the first the bucks they being the bucks mm-hmm. uh might be the first ones out on the food before they ever even any of the does get up and start moving it's just it just depends yeah. But yeah, so, it depends what's going on. What uh, but, what's your preferred late season food source? Boy, standing beans is money. I I've mean, always, that's that's always been everybody's saying that. But yeah, I, for me and my encounters and my kills in the past, it's always been standing beans. And if it's not standing beans, I've been fortunate enough to have some standing beans. Whether they were actually cut beans, but 
the grass had gotten so thick in them they they skipped some spots yeah the, the farmer had to raise the bean head up a little bit and about 10 inches were left all the way there through. you go so well, you like the, that th- worked out good do you feel cut beans are as good it actually at uh at times no definitely not as good but at times um even a really good uh cut bean field right down to the nitty-gritty mm-hmm. they they still come out there and munch on them would you do cut beans over cut corn that late season Man, it 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 goes back and forth. It's really tough. I mean, I know, you might see twenty deer on cut beans one night on when they're you don't think there's anything there. Yeah, but they're out there munching away. Um, I'm trying to figure that out honestly. Yeah, why, be, why they would pick fresh cut corn over fresh cut beans? And, right. I guess but, it depends wind direction, what's happening, and what they're craving. I really yeah. I walk through a cut bean field that I have a stand uh, close to, um, and I'm walking through it, and they have a good combine that the farmer does, and I'm like. Holy smokes, like loss. Yep. Lots of losses. And I'm like, all right. <laughs> Better <laughs> I, for the deer. <laughs> I, I was surprised about how much like grain I was seeing on the ground. Yeah. You know, I'm like, man, somebody got in here. I mean, maybe the beans were bad and as they were harvesting were or they did harvest them late. So I have a feeling as they were cutting, a lot of those beans were falling down falling off as the head That's was the thing. Down. This year the window was pretty small on cutting beans. And, yeah. and if there was guys out there with a lot of beans to cut, I mean they the small window, you got to start early when you don't really want to and mm. run late when you don't really want to run late. And I guess you sacrifice some losses when, yeah, when you I do mean, that. Yeah, it's just it. you start shelling them off and they're bouncing hey, out of the head. and Their loss? My game. <laughs> 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 yeah, you're not mad about it. Hey, sorry, <laughs> farmer. They they had a John Deere nice combine. Yeah. Wasn't a gleaner like I hope they had. <laughs> well, that's what I thought at first it was going to be. But Conditions can change everything, though. I they mean, can, 100%. Yeah. But I was just curious about that. Do you do much over, I know, um, like turnips or any of that late season greens? Yeah, I've got, a, I've got a couple of really nice plots out right now, and, and I just went and checked them. Of course, it's warm out right now, so it's. I think we're in the uh, going back to greens phase, what, phase eight, nine? Yeah, when this launches, yeah. I mean, some. yeah, I had to look. Let me pull up DeerCast. Yeah. It's it's that phase where they start to transition back to greens. I think is the phase. So yeah, um, transitioning back to greens. I got to move some cameras back on some of my plots. I did too. Yeah, next, but back to, to food. So I've got I've got some uh, big time out there. Green revisited is what we're in phase ten, okay. and then uh, phase eleven. So by the time this launches, we'll be in phase eleven, uh, waiting on a front. Yep. I'm hoping, hope, unless something goes completely wrong. Oh uh, well, change is quick. Phase twelve. Um, feedback. So, well, things change. The the bottom line is, I guess they uh, they they're starting to transition back to greens, and we have some winter wheat in place mm-hmm. on the farm, uh, not too far away. I've got a four foot or four foot four acre plot uh, of big time buck oh. brunch. Um, they're they've been in there. It looked I I walked through it the other day uh, to pull a camera, and it looked like somebody walked through with a weed eater. I mean, all the leaves were. Just really ate up. already I mean, they're they're Smoke. working on the top of them so. yeah good they haven't started digging up the turnips yet but it's not cold enough they do that so. when it gets cold cold on i don't know much about and i it, think the nice me. thing about this warm weather yeah. is it's it's sweetening up those turnips so yeah once yeah. it does switch over they're going to be all over oh yeah so it's not motivating to hunt when it's not brutal cold but it's and then it's hard to hunt mm-hmm. or it's not motivating to hunt when it's warm but when it's brutal cold it's um it's hard to go because it's brutally yeah. cold but and so yep. Let's talk about setups late season because um, 
I know you see a lot of guys will have box blinds and they're set up with heaters, homemade yep. box blinds, yep. um, pre-box -bo blinds with towers, whatever. I think that to be to be out there the long hours day after day when the weather is optimal to force deer to feed, you have to have you almost have to be prepared for that setup, right? With with that like a box blind and a heater. Not necessarily. I mean, yes, you do. I mean, and it's nice. I mean, that's Cadillac if you can have a box blind. Good clothing but helps, but never had that. If if you don't and you're in a stand, I mean, you're just you're grinding it out, and mm -hmm. yeah, it and it could be a food source. If not, if it's not a food source, you can get in the timber and catch them working their way to a, a neighboring food source or mm -hmm. or whatever. Um, and I've seen. I mean, sunny days. I I see a lot of deer bedded on top of ridges on sunny days. So that's a that's another one. If you don't have a food plot or you know the neighbor's got fresh cut beans or corn um, and you can get on that ridge with the wind in your favor, you can get on top of that thing and hopefully catch them moving. Cut them off, intercept you know. them on the way to yep. food. It's it, Almost everything late season is food. It is, definitely. I mean, they drive <laughs> straight to the food every time. So it's And, and if they're not uh, going to the food on a, like a sunny day um, where they're just sunbathing up on these ridges the wind's not blowing it's nice and calm they're just they want to stay warm i really think that the deer want to stay warm so mm -hmm. um as would we i guess definitely putting clothes on or getting in a getting in a blind with a yeah. heater or whatever but well, I, I brought up like the setup that way is because i don't have a really optimal like brutally cold late season setup but i'm uh i'm in the market for a box blind which is yeah hard for me to get because it's a lot of money but with young kids i'd like to take them out early season and that yep. and then really like if i have a buck tag and i have the time to hunt late season hard i would like to be able to like sit through no matter what the weather condition is to grind it out and be comfortable right. as possible and i feel like when i sit in a stand when it's crazy brutal cold late season and i feel if you're out there long enough it just gets to your muscles yep. and if you've ever tried to draw a bow back once your muscles are cold it's pretty difficult or it yeah. can be so i feel like a box blind with those comforts like that kind of eliminates that physical uh, like the stiffness of you know what i mean trying yeah, to get I, your bow back i agree with you completely. that's why i like that 65 pound bow or 60 65 pound mm -hmm. bow because when your muscles are cold or you've been sitting still for four hours you can probably still get it drawn back absolutely yeah in a it's just a, it's almost a double-edged sword though because when you're in a box blind uh, and you open up those windows, uh, you've got the heat on, everything, all that cold comes in, and then you just start freezing out. Like, it, mm. it chills you out pretty quick. Plus, when you're in a blind and the deer's past 40, it sounds like, a, I mean, it's a megaphone. When your bow goes off, they can oh, hear it. I, mean, oh, I never thought of that. You know what I mean? It's just, it's so loud, they're better off, or they're quicker to jump the string. Oh, I never thought about out that. that far. I've never shot. So you got to have them close. So there's this big old box blind food source. They usually try to stay out away from it. Now I've had some come pretty close, but mm. for the most part, they're out there about that 30, 40 range. Oh, and even with the wind in your face, it's still a megaphone when you shoot that bow off. It just yeah. sounds like a bomb. You ever thought about putting any like type of matting inside your box blind, like yeah. dampen the the sound? Yeah, a little bit. Be expensive, but maybe, but it's it, honestly, uh, I'm I've been running out of a redneck. Uh, I've had banks, I've had redneck, I've had a few different ones. Mm -hmm. um, but I, and I've been very fortunate out of the redneck a few different years. 
good encounters, a couple of kills. Mm-hmm. They're all probably relatively the same type of build. Yeah, I know they, they've all... got like the old oh, egg carton looking foam in the back. Yeah, uh, get some of that studio sound matting. I was just right. gonna say that's what I was just thinking about. We just like bought a, that'll for, probably work really for good. For everyone wondering what we're talking about, we just bought a bunch of uh, sound quality is pretty good in here, but we're trying to just get it even better. Yep, we bought uh, some room like legitimate sound dampening room kits, not just the egg crate foam, like mattress foam. It's legit like fiberglass blend. It's nice. With, I don't know what it is, but it's, it was expensive. Um, <laughs> but I mean, you could get, you wouldn't need anything that extreme to do that, to no. do, put in a box blind, even, no. you know, a homemade wood two by four and plywood box blind, you know, I'm yeah. sure is allowed when you shoot your bow in it. And I've taken a couple of like, uh, what are they like moving blankets mm-hmm. you can buy it like uh, oh, that's a good idea harbor freight yeah. or whatever oh, yeah. you know i've i've hang, hung those up uh behind me just so we're, the deer aren't silhouetting us through it but that's a good idea you you plan on setting that thing up to where it's all out in front of you versus anything coming from behind yeah so definitely that's i mean to sit in that tower up in the middle of the field is i don't i don't do that but yeah do uh, you enjoy sitting in a box blind like that during late season like do you find that I do because, I mean, that wind will eat you up pretty quick. And, mm-hmm. and I can get, you know, you store up enough energy out of sitting in those blinds, you can hunt for two or three days waiting on that deer to show up mm-hmm. versus let's just tough it out and go sit in a stand. And if you're not on 100% on point, even if you are on point and you don't get that opportunity, you got to come back the next day and you're exhausted and freezing to death. And yeah, you know what I mean? It mm-hmm. just wears you down. Say you got to go three days in a row sitting in that stand and the wind's hitting you in the face and it's, you know, 10 degrees out. It's tough. That's tough. You don't want to go back once you get done on an unsuccessful night of doing that. That's hard. But to do it five nights in a row. I mean, I know I get it. There's guys laughing at us, but what we're getting at is I've done it. It's it's not not fun. fun. It's not optimal. When it happens, you feel like the man. It's cool. Oh, yeah. And that's Mm. the thing. I mean, if you can tough it out, you have the right clothing and everything, whether it's a heater body suit or just some really good clothing. Mm Mm-hmm. Hot hands, I wear those oh, things out. I, yeah. Just run through them. <laughs> yeah, I. Th- we should have own stock. Yeah, hands. we should. <laughs> but no, it's. Uh, Be a great I, I really do enjoy late season, and I I've always enjoyed a good snow picture. You know, if yeah. you can get a good you know bunch of snow on the ground and be hanging on to that big big old buck and and a lot of times there's you know guys are starting to peter out when it comes to late season. Yeah. And I usually don't want to talk about it much because I'm okay with everybody petering out. Yeah. And I just want to go out there and well, not have to compete. A lot of guys are burnt out. Blowing deer out. Burnt out or tagged out or yeah. whatever. And But I feel, don't you feel the deer are like extra nervous or do you feel after a certain amount of time has gone by they kind of relax? They've been a lot of places. I mean, we're in Illinois, so there's a you know gun seasons going on and everything. Once they get past all the gun seasons, they've been pushed around a little bit. Uh, fortunately, I don't have many that get pushed around during gun season. Mm-hmm. Uh, we try to lay off of them and let them relax and find yeah. sanctuary a little bit. So once they, once they get back into their groove, it seems like, uh, and if you can, if anybody out there can get a, a food source set up or, or anything for late season, just leave them alone and let them get comfortable and yeah. wait on the temperatures and the high pressure system to move in. Right. Deer cast is key. I've killed a lot of deer on deer just judging off a deer deer cast mm-hmm. yeah mean, days days you should and shouldn't suffer in the cold type yeah day. yeah like i'm, I'm not going to go out there on a low pressure day unless i know somebody's been there 
yeah you know, yeah something unique or you have a beat on a specific guy that's right it. yeah um so it's been a couple years ago i it's been three or four or five years ago uh i had one hit on december 18th uh the cell camera we had put out and it was over standing beans the beans that had been cut off yeah uh, but still 10 inches of beans sitting there so i like it real nice <laughs> anyway we had a cell camera sitting there right in front of the uh redneck mm-hmm. and sure enough he hit but he hit it like 2:45 in the afternoon and i thought gee whiz if he's gonna do that tomorrow i'm gonna be there <laughs> yeah so yeah i i grabbed Austin. in there at noon <laughs> <laughs> i grabbed austin and we were in there at about 11:45, and we sat mm-hmm. the whole rest of the day and the buck that he was with the day before there was no does in the field but the buck that he was with the day before just a little six pointer basket rack uh he came out at like 315 mm-hmm. something like that and i thought boy any second he's gonna come oh, out yeah. no we had to wait till about 10 till 5 <laughs> <laughs> he made you wait yeah yeah and it was like negative five wind chill that day it was nasty cold brutal but anyway he he ended up coming out and uh got him can't complain got him shot so that, that was the one on video yeah maybe we'll uh we can yep. lay that in here yeah that's cool. um the very next year same situation snow on it was no snow was melting off of it it warmed up that day but he had hit that camera the day before and was there so we went back in and and uh same blind same scenario everything was just right on point and then i ended up blowing that shot but <laughs> um it happens hey i mean it, it's cool though it's like uh, you're in the right spot yeah you had them figured out. Yeah, you get that late, and it's almost like they become predictable again, right? But more or less. And what I love so much about late season is you get deer. So you, you're running your cameras all summer long or all summer long. I put mine out at, like, second week of July, basically. Um, I Over the years, I've ran cameras and changed batteries and cards and everything, and I just decided I'm going to narrow it down to – Let's go middle of July, second week of July. I'm with you. I'm even and, later than that. Yeah, it's then that's pushing it. But I I started putting them out then. So even though so I'm getting those pictures middle of July to my best week of the year is the first week of August. Mm-hmm. First and second week of August, I get my best velvet pictures. Yeah, yeah. So you're getting all these deer that are still bachelored up, and bachelor grouped up, mm-hmm. and there's four or five of them. Mm-hmm. You know they're couple 160s and a 150 and you know something really cool yeah and they're all together and then they disappear once they start filtering out and finding their corner mm-hmm. but um finding their corner finding their corner it's a good way to put that actually yeah so they they those deer that disappear end up transitioning back come late season so they're all yeah. coming back in they start be buddies again a little bit yeah kind of group yeah. up again hey honestly. sorry about what i did earlier hey listen remember that whole rut thing my yeah. bad i didn't mean to steal your girl <laughs> i'm sorry we fought so hard but. Yeah. i didn't mean to steal your girls can we share some beans bro treat, before does treat you to some <laughs> bros before does <laughs> so dumb i mean you're i mean but it's a funny analogy because it's kind of what happens you it know? really is yeah. i think you know, so, and then plus you get some stragglers coming in too that yeah. you haven't seen yeah, before. Yeah, true. Because you might have a food source that somebody else doesn't have, or somebody had a crappy combine when they cut their beans ten inches high, or even that little <laughs> that one picture. Yeah, you know, um, even that one picture that you got during the summer of something really good looking, like a big old buck. Yeah, but never got another picture of him. You know what? Then he shows up. There's a picture uh, I have. I forgot about this deer until we're talking about it. It was, or uh, I mean. Let me look. Check my cellular camera app. But he showed up 
and I got a couple pictures of them, and I'm like, oh, that's a cool buck. And then nothing. I got nothing else of him all year. You Haven't know? seen him. He's gone. And I, I remember thinking, like, well, now you're saying this. I'm like, man, I wonder, just to see if he'll pop up, you know? Yeah. Um, this was, well, dang it. Well, what I'm what I'm saying Sorry. is they loop they loop back and they end up showing up popping up uh, later on in the season. So yeah, well, I killed the whole podcast with me trying to find this buck. I thought I had it readily available, <laughs> but I don't. But anyway, he's a typical twelve with really good brows. Mm-hmm. And I remember getting a picture of him, being like, "Whoa, cool! Check that out." You know, that'll be a cool guy to, to keep an eye on. And I haven't had a picture of him. Uh, well, another thing since. I'll add is they they will what I've seen in the past. I guess. Um, They'll show up, but they don't show up for for very long. I mean, it's got to be, yeah. you know, they've been there before. They know where the place is. They're coming to check it out. Um, I got a picture of a monster drop tine, 12-inch drop tine, uh, a couple years ago. Mm-hmm. And I got a picture of him just right north of my house. And then Austin and I went in right after that, clear back behind that by three or 400 yards mm-hmm. to get to the redneck. Once I got in the redneck, he came out that night, and then that's when I missed him. But, oh, that's the one. Yeah, yeah, I missed him there. Well, how, how'd you, what was the deal? Everything. <laughs> you don't want to talk about it, huh? Yeah, it was a lot going on at once. Um, Just frantic. Walked, walked, walked in, uh, walked in the wrong way. So the snow was melting. We walked through the snow. It was warm enough that day. So yeah, we had a warm day that, and it was melting off the snow. Walked right into the blind. weren't weren't conscious of anything we were doing walking in there. Um, he put, his, he put his nose down right into our tracks and got jumpy. Oh. So I was getting ready to move my pin. I had it set at 30, going to kill him at 30. And he's taking his steps into 30, puts his nose down, gets all jumpy, and kind of trots off a little bit. And I was trying to wing it. Yeah. Right-hander shooting out of a left side of the blind window, tall, skinny window. Just everything fell apart. High-pressure situation. The buck's on edge. You're nervous that he's on edge. And yep. Get, yeah, I get that. Trying to hit the range finder and dial the pin and everything. I should have been full draw when he came out and just yeah. let her eat. But anyway, bottom I get that. Line Everybody's is, been there, really. And the bottom line is uh, there's there's lots of, uh, I guess I could say, th- these bucks, going back to these bucks that uh, just show up once in a while, mm-hmm. they don't, for anybody out there that thinks that bucks will go four or five miles away and do crazy stuff, th- these these deer, in my opinion, from what I've seen, will never go somewhere they haven't been before. It's just a matter of being there and capitalizing on when they do show up. Yeah. So if, I mean, the drop time had been there, I had a picture of him, only two pictures of him, the same, or the year before, in the same spot, at the same time, late season. Mm-hmm. And he was younger. He had actually had three drop tines at that point. But when he was younger, yep, wow. Yeesh. And then he just gave up on those. And I don't know if I've ever seen these on. these pictures you're talking about. I keep it all secret. Okay. Now, now I'm blowing it up in front of well, everybody. But he, he's, people are hunting ghosts now. He was he was I good imagine. stuff. He was cool looking. So uh-huh. I'd have killed him with those three for sure. So, so that that's interesting to hear. Like you know, that's something to think about too. Is like you see a buck late season from you know historical data. You know, you yep. could. That could add up. If the and I never around. had a picture, never had a picture of that deer in in velvet or summer. What about he, like October, he, November? No, just late he would season. Only show up like middle of December to January. It makes you wonder, like take. hunting pressure pushed him, a food source that he wanted, maybe a certain 
I, whatever, you know. I mean, it's crazy though that it was the same time the very next year that he finally showed up. I got nothing up until that point. So why in the world are these deer waiting to show up really late season and time. only and only for two days and then gone? You hear about the, people talk about that often. Like deer will do like the same thing a year later that they did, but yeah. But I don't know. That's like a biological thing. It has to be. I don't know. I don't know enough about it to talk about it. But anyway, it's interesting. It's, it's something. That's just what I've seen. So. Yeah, it's definitely interesting, and I'm sure there's guys out there that have they've had the same thing. Well, that might be oh, some motiv- sure. that might be some motivation for a lot of guys listening, guys and gals watching and listening. Is like if you're like, man, I just don't have anything on camera, and I, they could pop back up late season, or somebody new could surprise somebody you. new, man. Yeah, that is motivating. That makes me yeah. feel good about it because, you know, I haven't, I've kind of been in limbo a little bit on my hunting because. Um, I've been hunting, but I haven't seen anything that makes me want to hunt hard, and I don't want to... I don't know. I'm trying to be a little more calculated, especially coming into late season and waiting for the right temps to go in and make moves. So that motivates me to be optimistic about a buck I want to go in and hunt. I agree. Um, So you prefer late season over like a rut hunt, you think? Yeah, I do, just because um, now (laughs) I guess I really like... I really like early season. I like uh, establishing all those pictures, getting that kind of that pattern figured out on early season on these bucks. Um, but now we've been talking about these randoms that show up. Yeah. I. But I might have history. I want history. I guess mm-hmm. that's what I'm going with. Yeah. So I, a rut hunt for me ends up being like a surprise deer shows up. I mean, I, I had that happen to me this year already. I. I've only hunted twice because I've been so busy. So that's all you've hunted this year. Two this times point? is all I've been. Ross, in stand, dude, I thought you've been in a little more than and that. And you almost no. killed a big one. And I almost killed a big one the first time, and I almost killed a big one the second time. I saw a one sixty <laughs> and a one sided two hundred on the one sided. <laughs> she was a one hundred. Yeah, he was a one hundred. <laughs> hundred inch, uh, damn. Well, anyway, for one side, you know, that's. I mean, he was he was he was cool, but anyway, my point is, um, what was my point? They were. Uh, you like late? Do you, I? Ask I mean, you, I want to. I want to have history with them. Is what you yeah, I got to have history with these deer. So I, I don't want to go out there, and just have a surprise come up. I mean, I, that second hunt that I was on, I, I had a really nice 155, 160, 10 point come in. He had really good mass. Mm-hmm. He had a bunch of hide missing off his back because he'd been fighting. I could tell, he was a fighter. So, mm-hmm. um, he come in. He surprised me. I w- looked through the binos and I got him. I just looked him over, and I'm like, oh, yeah, he's a good one. So mm-hmm. I reached around, grabbed my bow. The wind was blowing right at him, and he started. He was making a scrape at the time that I saw him. So he quit making a scrape, started moving right towards me, and I don't know, it was about a 30-yard shot. Mm-hmm. He had to walk through this little pocket. He was about two steps away from getting in the hole where I could shoot, and I was grabbing my bow, pulling around, like clipping on, getting ready to pull back, and he either caught my wind or caught me moving one or the mm-hmm. other mm-hmm. and i went back and i was all upset and told him telling my wife about it i'm like you can't i'm, I'm t- what happened i don't know what i did <laughs> yeah and i'm like you know what that's it, it doesn't mean anything to me anyway because <laughs> he's he's a nice buck don't get me wrong but i have no idea who he was i don't yeah whatever it would have just been a bonus buck right so Which you gotta take them sometimes i man. like bonus bucks but i really like the ones you can bonus bucks are cool because your hit list remains the same and you yeah. got a buck a good buck. That's know? right. Um, so you've only been out twice, Ross. That upsets me. When, what day 
assuming weather continues as what it would normally for mid late December mm-hmm. and coming into early um, as days soon of as January. possible is the answer. Yes. So I mean, when at when are you like all right work? I have to hit late season because I haven't hunted all year. I'm gonna start choosing real fast on what's most important. Uh, yeah. Which I'll push a job off so I can get in the timber. So I think you owe it to yourself to do some December hunting, Ross. Oh, I do. It's it's gonna happen. So I think you need to be hunting four afternoons a week until you kill a buck. I know it's pretty crazy. What sixty two today, but pretty soon it's gonna be yeah, it's snow gonna on start the ground. Dropping off, yeah. Yep, Ross, we no. need you. Oh, it's it'll, we'll make something happen. But I believe in him. I believe in Ross too. Believe in Ross. I, I just I you like get, your I like your take on late season stuff because you're you're a guy that we count on to kill a late season buck. You're you're good at it. You're. It's you, weird how um just take it easy until until I kill. How relaxed just, you are too about it, like. Oh well, yeah. If I December, hunted yeah. twice the season, I'd be an anxious wreck. No pressure. Oh, I, I couldn't do it. Yeah. You got this. You killed one the last day last year, Doug. Yeah, I did, but didn't like it, did you? No, I froze my. I do that. That's how I was the guy in the stand, freaking. <laughs> yeah, and, in weeks on end. And a normal oh, freezing my yeah, ass you put off. The, you put the time in, dude. Yeah, I know. And then that Boop. ice storm hit. No, thank you. Yeah, I'm that, trying to figure it out where brutal. we can just get out there and hunt like know the deer is going to be there so like, i don't you like know, the days to, you said you like is like the sunny days with hardly any wind but perfect snow those yeah. are the best yeah. yeah they're bearable and they yes. you feel optimistic about yeah. those days yep. late season feels tough. right i think my biggest battle with late season is uh my morale yeah it's kind of like that uh the it's um, the motivator i've never really had a farm that's been r- really good late season and i it's i grew up hunting a farm that was there's no food on it. Yep. There's no crop on it. I had no food plots. I was just hardwoods. Yeah, you're just used to not. Uh, so I mean, it changes everything, dude. Once you get, I mean, you get a late season pick of a buck. Mm-hmm. I mean, you're on him. You got to get on him right there. Yeah. I mean, or figure him out, you know, do for some sure. scouting. I mean, it gives you motivation right there. I mean, that's absolutely, that's what it's all about. And, and I, whether you've seen him or not seen him, if he's a surprise buck that shows up, doesn't mm-hmm. matter if he shows up twice, get in there, get on him. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I think you 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 don't have a lot of days to sit back and relax and just wait for when it's con- super convenient. No. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, I that's why I had this. I I don't really have a bitter taste in my mouth for late season hunting. I shouldn't really. I, I don't want to sound negative, but you know, I always was hunting deer that were bedded on my side, and then I'd go in and hunt them late season. I think I was spooking them. Yeah, because there's just not much I could do. Uh, when, when do you think the transition to late season starts? Boy, I'd say after second firearm season in Illinois. Pretty not much? necessarily. Mm-hmm. I mean, I I'd say uh, 20, 20th of November they start switching over a little oh, yeah. bit. You think that's late season? Yep. Um, I've watched, I've killed and watched uh, some monsters come out uh, October thirty or November thirtieth. November 28th, mm-hmm. November 22nd, uh, and they come out in the field, and they don't even look at does. They're just there to eat. Yeah. What, what's but the latest? Depending you, on the weather. What's the latest you've ever killed a buck? December 19th uh, is my first one I can think of. Um, December 19th. I think I killed Getting one December 30th, too. December 30th. That's late. What's yours? January? January 10th, last day of Iowa season. My dad killed this buck January 10th. First buck with a bow here in the studio. January 10th. With a bow? Yep. January nice. 10th. Mm-hmm. Now, saying that, what, what I've killed during those times is, is one thing, but watching and having encounters 
uh, January 5th, 6th, 7th. I've had some awesome encounters. The one that I named Showtime, the unicorn buck, mm -hmm. um, I filmed him the year before I killed him on January 6th, and he had a whole bunch of little bitty yearling does with him. Really? He was the only buck in the field. Really? And there was like seven little yearling does all around him. Was he bumping them around or just with them? Nope. He's just hanging out with them. I mean, checking them. They, they, yeah, yeah. And it goes back to my theory of the, the three phases on... Uh, the 18th rut. Yeah. 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 So you get the November we, 1. We, we talked about that. December 1. Early on in a working class bow hunter. We did. Work, like years ago. Might so, blow somebody's mind, but that's that's what I've seen in the past. And watching him with those little yearlings... People people laughed at you and agreed with you. Yeah, well, you can laugh all you want, but that's just what I've seen. <laughs> I mean... I have no reason to lie. I mean, it's, it's a two-hundred inch deer, they're so. not, No, they're yeah. not chasing... I mean, they're yeah. December 1st and January 1st. They're not chasing them. They're just bumping them. Yeah. They're just hanging out and following a little bit. So, yeah, not near as aggressive, which is what I like. So then that goes back to January uh, 1st or December 1st, looking at what food source those little does might be on, whether yeah. it's a two-year-old doe on December 1st or whether it's a yearling on January 1st. Mm -hmm. I mean, yeah. if the does are coming to the food, those big boys will be behind them. Yeah, that makes sense. If it's around that time frame. So. You, know, you know what's uh, kind of has me bummed a little bit? Okay. You know, we're recording this episode. It'll launch December. We're, record, we're recording this basically first weekend of December. Mm -hmm. I'll be hunting this weekend. This is my last full weekend to hunt before, you know, I have other obligations going on. But um, like doing some podcasts that I have to, right. have to record. But it's my last full weekend to hunt for the year because the first the last two weekends of season in January, well, you'll be at ATA. ATA with us. We go to ATA. Then the last weekend of Illinois, we'll be in Nebraska. Yep. So, yeah, I just missed the last week in Iowa for ATA, but that's all right. Yeah, we got bucks. We're, I do want to hunt, though. I'm going to hunt. I don't have any hunt, bucks yet. So. so, Ross, if you don't have a buck down and you is looking good on ATA weekend, Ross might be hunting. I might have to drive separate. <laughs> Come down for a day and leave. Yeah. <laughs> Say hi to everybody. Like, Just weather's kill, too good. Kill mine after day two and then come down. There you yeah, go. Yeah, there you go. Easy yeah. peasy. Well, Ross. Whatever it takes. I appreciate your input on late season hunting. Uh, you're a guy that we all highly respect as a big buck killer and glad that you're part of the working class bow hunter team. Glad to be here, buddy. It was good to have you on working class on DeerCast. We need to do a full working class bow hunter crew on DeerCast episode really, really soon. Yep, we should. Because we got to bring some of that normal working class bow hunter vibe. Um, a lot of it's just been me and like Doug and or me and a, a co-host because of like the schedule. Right. Oh, got to keep it clean. Yeah. Just it's tough right now. It the is end tough. of 21. But uh, these are going weekly in January and uh, a lot more opportunity and a lot more reasons to get together and have some fun. Yep. So if you're listening or watching, we appreciate you. Mm -hmm. And um, hopefully you're looking forward to more content. Um, we're going to bring in some I'm, – I'm going to throw a lot of angles at this series, I think. Some fun ones, maybe some out-of-the-box ones as we go along. That'd be good. Hopefully yeah. anything that I said made sense. So <laughs> I'm sure it helped somebody, but or at least give uh, – I feel a little more optimistic about some of that colder weather and yeah. showing back up to food sources. I, yeah. I'm excited to get out there. Well, cool. Well, thank you, everyone, for listening, watching. And you know what to do. Go shoot a giant. We love you. Hey, guys. Another Giant Tracker segment. Uh, this is going to be a fun one, I think. Uh, we have Dustin here. What's up, man? How we doing, Kurt? 
I'm good, man. I'm good. Uh, are you on top of the world right now or how's that going? Oh man, it's, it's, it's crazy. Yes. It, it feels like I'm on top of the world. <laughs> <laughs> I bet man. So I've been seeing your picture all over the internet. And one thing I I've said this on the segment before I need to do a better job at talking to people and be like, Hey, what do you do for a living? Cause I think that's kind of interesting. Um, what do you do for a living? Man, uh, I write songs and I play guitar for a living. Um, I've been doing it for about five, six years now, full time. And, uh, awesome. Yeah. Yeah. It's pretty crazy. <laughs> That's cool. Where can people find you and find your music and all that? I imagine just plug it, man. Oh man. I'm on uh Spotify, uh, Apple music, anywhere where you listen to music, it should be there online, uh, where you buy it, where you stream it, uh, YouTube, anywhere. Very so. cool. Well, hopefully people check that out. I think that's cool, man. It's a cool profession. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it was a risk. I left right after high school and, uh, been doing it ever since. <laughs> Good for you, man. That's cool. I, I love seeing guys go for what they love and what they're passionate about. And that's awesome, man. That's a, I consider that very working class because high risk is high reward. You know what I mean? Yep, exactly. That's what my dad always said. Yep. It, you can look back when you're older and be like, man, I wish I would have done that. And that's yep. easy to do, but you went for it. So that's cool, man. Yep. And that's what I, that's what I want to do. I wanted to get down there to Nashville early mm -hmm. to just try it out, you know, and I, I, I fell in love with it. Dude, good for you. That's great. I love it. I love it. And you're also pretty good at killing big bucks is what it's looking like. Well, I guess I was this year. <laughs> you asked me previous years ago, though. No? But, yeah, I mean, this year was just – I mean, I, it's still hard to wrap my head all the way around it, man. It's, it's mm -hmm. just – I never would have thought, you know. Yeah, I mean, talk about it because – so what I'm seeing is you're knocking on the door for the Indiana State record. Yeah, yep. That's Which is crazy. What, yeah, I know it, man. Like, so yeah, I mean, I've, I've been deer hunting for 15 years now, this property. Um, I've, it's a family friend of me and my dad's uh, actually one of my dad's best friends. Uh, it's a big 185 acre hog farm that, uh, half of it's timber, half of it's cornfields. Um, and yeah, I've, I mean, I know this property, like the back of my hand, I've been running it since I was a kid, squirrel hunting, rabbit hunting, coon hunting, deer hunting, Mm -hmm. um, so, uh, yeah, I mean, I just, I was on a seven, eight day hunt, uh, back home. I, I travel back and forth from Nashville to Indiana a lot. Mm -hmm. and, uh, I was going to stay home for a few weeks and I was on day eight, I think is whenever I killed this deer and yeah. I was on eight to 10 hour days. And sure enough, he, he decided to show up and, oh man, it's, it's so great. Did, did you have history with this deer? Did you know him from years prior or anything like that? I didn't. Um, uh, I don't really put out trail cams. I have one trail cam out that I put out um, the first week of bow season, October 1st, but then I took it down uh, two weeks because I was going to switch up where I was going to put it, but ended up never putting it back out. I love it. So yeah, uh, had some neighbors come in and they've been seeing this deer. Uh, they've had history with it. So they shared me, you know, uh, with me, some trail cam picks and stuff from years prior and stuff. Yeah. So, but yeah, me, cool. I, the only time I seen was for that three minutes that it happened. Was the I only love time. it. Yeah, I man. love it. It's great. You know, and nowadays it's always like, oh, I, I think it's cool to have trail cam photos and have filmed the deer in the past. I think all oh, that's great. That's fun. It builds the story. But yeah. I also love the, like your situation. Like I didn't mess with the trail cam because. It, it, that's what it, a lot of it used to be before trail cams got insanely popular. You just kind of had that, that dream 
that a big mm-hmm. buck hopefully lived where you were hunting. You don't know every deer because you couldn't have cameras back in the day. So I think that's uh we've talked about it before. It'd be nice almost just for a little bit of trail cams went away because yeah. you have like that optimistic uh legendary buck that lives in the back 40 or you know what I mean? Yeah, that nobody knows about. Yeah, yeah, that's fun. That's part of like I think mm-hmm. uh I don't know, some of the nostalgia of deer hunting mystery a little bit. Yep, exactly, man. And that's what it was. I mean, it was just complete shock whenever he showed up and I saw his antlers. I was like, I mean, it was just crazy. I bet. Like, when did he come in? How far was he? How long did you watch him for? So I saw him. I had hunted all day and I switched up my. So I have like four different set tree stands, lock ons, buddy stands. And I just thought I was going to take my climber back to this old oak grove that I hadn't hunted in years. And uh, it's an old four-wheeler trail I used to ride whenever I was a kid. Mm-hmm. Um, but I just went up down there and picked a tree, man. It was just I, I got my wind right where I thought deer were going to come from and picked a tree and got up. And I was sitting for about three and a half hours, never seen a deer. And sure enough, he showed up right at right when the sun went down over this field mm-hmm. is whenever I saw his horns down in a creek bed. And he, he came walking right up 40 yards and I mean, he, you can't draw it up any perfect. I mean, it was, you know, yeah. when I saw that deer, I was like, there's no way that I'm going to get a shot at this thing. You know what I mean? Did you realize how big he was when you first saw him? Were you like, oh my gosh. I didn't. I, I thought he was maybe a 170, 180 class deer just because I'm not a guy that, you know, I don't go hunt a deer, you know, I just go deer hunting. I just enjoy deer hunting and, you know, I'll shoot it if it's to the ears. I'll shoot a doe if she comes by. You know, it's just yeah, that's just how I deer hunt. But uh, uh-huh. but whenever I saw him, oh wow, this is this is a monster, you know, 180 class deer. We didn't know until we put a tape on him that night and was like, holy cow, I guess that's huge. <laughs> what did he end up taping at? Uh he was two twelve and uh four eights. Typical, typical, yeah. <laughs> and that's Which is and, like uh, the current world record, right? It's like yeah, 212, and, the Milo Hansen yeah. bug. Yeah. And I think he's going to net um, just under 206, wow. I believe. So, yeah, I mean, it's, it's still, it's still crazy to me. So talk about the shot. How far was the shot? Where was the shot placement? Uh, so when he started coming up this once, I knew he committed to this ridge and he was coming up this side of the draw of me. Um I had to guess, like I didn't have time. It was such a, it was like three minutes from when I seen him to when I pulled the trigger. Mm-hmm. Uh, and when he came up, like I, he, if he would have stayed on my side of this draw, I would have had another 30 yards to be able to, you know, pick a shot and shoot him. But mm-hmm. he stayed on this other side of the draw of me and I only had five yards. So I had to make a quick decision on, do I whistles? That's what I did. I whistled at him to stop him. Mm-hmm. And, uh, of course had sapling trees right behind where I was going to shoot him. So I waited and I said, maybe I got, I don't know how many seconds went through of me talking to myself and waiting for him to take one more step. Cause I was mm-hmm. like, man, I got maybe a yard left before right. he's in this brush and he's heading West. He's gone. Mm-hmm. And so I let him take one more step. I whistled again. And of course he took a next step, which put me behind two more saplings. So I had to lean out left side of my tree to shoot him, dude. It was crazy. No kidding. Lots of adrenaline, man. It was a lot of self-talk, lots of adrenaline. And just, yeah. it, it was guessing like, cause I, I guessed he was 40 and I put my 30 yard pin high on his shoulder and I was just mm-hmm. 
It was, what, yeah. What, what kind of weapon did you have? I had a crossbow. Okay. So you had multiple pins on your site? Yeah. I have gotcha. four pins, I believe. And I just, I used my top one and mm-hmm. put it high on a shoulder about four or five inches and let it fly. What, what was the shot place of where to end up hitting them? Hit him right in the right in the lungs and heart, right in dead Body. center behind the. Oh yeah, it was it, how it happened so fast. That's what I'm just. I was just hoping, and I got to see he ran off about sixty yards. Um, started wiggling his tail, and then mm. he started doing the dance and started going down. And I was just like, <laughs> I, just, I just put my hands up. Yeah, you yeah, know, right, right. Oh man. So did like did you? Uh, I don't know. Of course, you didn't think you caught you shot maybe the potential state record. Like you said, you're thinking one eighties. Yeah. I mean, like, how long did you give them? I mean, I imagine you made some phone calls from the stand. Yeah. So uh, right after, like, seconds after I saw him go down, I called my girlfriend and I was mm-hmm. like, because, you know, I'd been hunting for eight days straight for eight to 10 hours a day. And I'm like, yeah, maybe I just killed a monster. And I'm like telling her it's a 170, 180 class. And, she, you know, she don't know what that yeah. means, but I'm like, it's huge. I just kept going. Holy shit. Oh, <laughs> shit. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Oh man, it was just, uh, just complete shock. And then I uh, called my dad and told him cause he killed um, back my freshman year. So about 10, 12 years ago, mm-hmm. he killed a big 150 class deer, which was the biggest taken on that property mm-hmm. at the time. And I, te- I called him up still from the stand. I said, pops, I think I got you beat by like 30 points, man. <laughs> was like, there's no way. Yeah. There's no way I'm the king here. Yep. Exactly. And, Yep. He'd come and help me drag it out. And he's just like, wow, this is, you know, we had, all of us had never seen anything like it. I mean, yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> so when you get up to this thing, you have to be like in shock. Like, are you still thinking, yeah, 180s? Or yeah. are you like way bigger than 180s when you pick them up? Well, yeah. I mean, I was just thinking, wow, this is a 180 class, like monster deer. And like, we were all <laughs> high fiving buddies and stuff. Like, yeah. until it wasn't until later that night I had, two real good buddies come over that are big into deer hunting and uh, they put a tape on it and was like, huff, like this is, <laughs> this is something else. Like yeah. you're going to want to get pictures of this thing. Right. I noticed like the, the picture you have in the giant tracker segment, if someone's already read that and deer cast, it's like a really good professional mm-hmm. looking photo or they like, Hey, cause I don't know, you know, what I mean? there's a lot of guys, you just see a lot of bad photos from the field mm-hmm. and that's just something it's like kind of an afterthought at times. Uh, yeah. Did you go back out and get photos or like, yeah, so uh, into it a little bit or you, yeah, once so, you realized. Yeah. So that night we were just, you know, shooting the shit and drinking some beers and uh, mm-hmm. like, Huff, you're going to want to make, I got a photographer that takes photos for like my albums and stuff that I release. Mm-hmm. And, uh, he was like, you need to call her now and like tell her <laughs> to set up something anymore. I'm like, dude, I'm not going to get professional photos of this deer. And they're yeah, like, yeah. no, Huff, like you need to get photos. So like, Call you got good up. friends, man. You got real yeah, good exactly. Friends. I was like, I told him boys, I was like, I appreciate it. Thanks for talking me into it. Like, you know, cause I didn't know I was just, right. you know, but yeah. So yeah, that's the next morning she come over and took all those pictures for me. And was she like, you want me to take pictures of a deer? Yeah, she was. Well, she like knew she's like, wow, this is huge. But she was like, I was like, it's possibly a state record. And she's like, all right, well, let's. And then she just scoped out where she was going to take it and stuff. And yeah, oh, we had a good time. That is so cool, man. I, I love this story because it's uh, in a way it's, it's kind of like a traditional deer hunting story to me. Yeah, You know what I mean? Because a lot of it, it's cool. Like, you know, I said earlier, it's cool to have all the history and stuff. Yeah. But 
it sometimes I feel like that can be overplayed at times. Yeah. And so yeah. I just love like the good old boy vibe of like this giant buck came in. You knew that it was a giant and it just worked out. And then it's cool to have your buddies come over and be like, listen, you yeah. don't understand. <laughs> yeah. And I was like, I don't understand. Like, I was just like, and they, they were like, uh, like, this is going to be a big deal. And I'm just thinking like, yeah, I'm going to put it on the wall. Yeah. I like, guess it's going to be, you know, like, you yeah. know, like I'm going to spend the 600 bucks and get it shoulder mounted. Yeah. Yeah. That's what I was thinking. Yeah. Wow. So wh- how long from that, I imagine you posted it once you got those good photos. I mean, I'm sure people had to just start reaching out to you and like blowing you up. Like, Hey, this is a super giant. Yeah. So a crazy story. This is, I haven't really shared this with a lot of people, but I will with you. Mm-hmm. So, um, I got a good friend in the music business, uh, Luke Combs. Mm-hmm. And, um, so he actually called me the night I killed this deer. So, um, it was like two 30 in the morning. We've, we've already, I hadn't even post pictures yet. Like mm-hmm. we just had it hanging up downstairs, down in the basement above or under the basketball goal. Yeah. And so I'm in bed and I get a text from a good friend of mine, uh, Ray Fulcher, who's on tour with Luke right now. Mm-hmm. I used to do some touring with him back in the day. And, uh, very cool. He was like, Oh, Huff dude. He's like, let me see this deer. Like, cause I tweeted on Twitter. I was like, uh, killed a monster buck. We'll post pics tomorrow tomorrow. Mm-hmm. And he was like, dude, send them to me right now. So I sent him two <laughs> pictures right after I sent those pictures. Combs calls me. I'm in bed. I get out of bed. I'm like, what's up, dude. He's like, Huff. he's like, Huff, dude, what the heck is going on? Like you killed yeah. that. I was like, yeah, he was like, all right. He was like, do not post any pictures yet. He goes, I'm going to make some phone calls tomorrow. And then I'll let you know, like what you need to do and all this stuff. And that's right. he kind of like, and then he called meat eater, meat eater kind of launched the story for me. Mm-hmm. Just kind of went from there, but yeah, I waited until like, cause I didn't know. And then he right, just right. kind of, you know, he just kind of helped me out. And I, I appreciated that of him to, you know, make that's, that phone call for me, but that's wild. I, yeah. I mean, you got good friends because yeah, it's always good to have good friends. Yeah. Especially killing a deer like that. We, uh, we just, the, the podcast, the time we're recording this isn't out yet, but there's a guy fairly local to us that shot an opening day last year, like a 230 inch buck and it blew up on the internet. And, uh, I, I he wasn't like really prepared for like what was about to happen because mm-hmm. it just, it, it went viral. Yeah. And we talked to, he's a real humble, quiet guy, not big on social media. And he's just like, it was crazy. He's like, yeah. it was magazines and podcasts and all these people just blowing them up. And I imagine yep. you're going through the same thing, if not more. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's, so. <laughs> it's been nonstop, man. It's, which is, it's fun for me, man. I, I, I love it just cause you know, I never thought that this would happen, you know, to a guy like me, you know, I just, yeah. I'm a meat hunter and it turned into this monster deer walking by. <laughs> so when will you, you'll find out after the drying period, if it takes the Indiana state record. Yeah, that'll be uh, January 15th is okay. uh, the official date. I'm going to go get it. Boone and crop cool. measured and stuff. So dude, yo. that is so awesome, man. Has this, uh, do you feel that just because it's like, you know, you're in the country music scene, and then a big buck is kind of like hand in hand, right? In a way. Yeah, that's what I mean. It's just like, it goes, it goes together, man. It's just mm-hmm. like, I, you can't, I can't draw it up, man. It's just, I still, <laughs> still don't, I can't wrap my head all the way around it. That yeah. why it happened? Why, why did this happen to me? You know what I mean? I don't, Yeah, yeah. it's just, I it's still it. shock. <laughs> Has it helped your music career? You think in a weird way? Like it's like not connected, but it is. 
Yeah, I mean, there's a lot more people talking about it in town. You know what I mean? Because yeah. any these good publicity down here. For sure. And, uh, so yeah, I mean, people's been talking about it. Any anywhere I go, oh man, what's up? Huff? Like, nice yeah. here, man. I'm like, appreciate it. That's awesome. But, yeah, I love it. Cool. Well, I love it, dude. I appreciate you doing this quick interview. Uh, congratulations on an absolute slammer. So, two, what was it? Two twelve? It grossed. Yeah, two twelve. And net, and you think it's gonna net? I have two oh eight written down. Yeah, um, we got it re. So I had it kind of re uh, measured by this Boone and Crockett guy, which isn't, and it was at like two oh five and five eighths, I believe. So mm-hmm. I don't think it's gonna take the James Jordan buck. Yeah, but possibly that the third, I think, what was it? Mel Johnson's or something. Yeah, that's the, Illinois. Uh, I think that's the Illinois archery record because we're from Illinois. Yeah, I think that's what it, that's the current archery record. And that was a killed with traditional equipment, which is crazy. Yeah, yeah that's um, crazy. Current state record I have on my notes is one ninety five and five eighths for Indiana. Yep. Yeah. So you could potentially be 10 inches ahead. Yeah, that's what it's looking like. <laughs> incredible. <laughs> that is incredible. The the buck is just absolutely amazing. Uh, congratulations, man. He seemed like an awesome guy. So it I, it makes me feel better when I see great people with giant, giant bucks that are world, truly world-class. <laughs> I appreciate it, Kurt. Yeah. I mean, who would have thought that's what I, that's all I can say, man. Love it. Well, dude, I appreciate you doing this. If you want to plug your Instagram or anything like that, feel free. I'll let you thank whoever you need to thank or plug whatever you need to plug, man, before we get out of here. Oh yeah. Instagram, Twitter is uh Dustin Huff music. Um, pretty much for everything. If you want to find, you can uh, go to oldhuff.com, dustinhuffmusic.com. Um, all my music, everything you need to know is all on that, all those websites and social media. So awesome, man. Well, consider the WCB crew, uh, new listeners for you. Cause I'll be, I'll be black. I'm here at the studio. So I'll make that part of the working class bow hunter playlist. Now when we have parties over here. Heck yeah, dude. I appreciate that. Of course, man. Well, thank you so much, man. And congratulations. And uh, thank you everyone for watching and listening and supporting us on working class on DeerCast and working class bow hunter. Check out Dustin's music. And I'm sure if you're watching this, you've already seen pictures of it. So uh, congrats again, man. And everyone out there, go shoot a giant. Thanks for tuning in. Thank you. Mondays with Into the Blue, brought to you by Academy Sports and Outdoors, every Monday night from 7 to 10 p.m. Eastern on Waypoint TV, the destination for outdoor entertainment.